Hello and welcome to UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva, your weekly news recap from the United Nations. I'm Daniel Johnson and in this week's show we hear an update on COVID-19 variants from the World Health Organization, an alert over a new Ebola outbreak in Eastern Democratic Republic of the Congo, and a first at the World Trade Organization where the new boss is from Africa and a woman. Stay with us too for an interview with top rights expert Fionula Nialwen, who throws light on the desperate situation for women and children with links to ISIL extremists who are stuck in camps in Syria's northeast. And not forgetting a very welcome appearance from regular guests Solange Bertega Cortez and Alpha Diallo. First, the news. UN Chief Antonio Guterres has urged wealthy nations to lead a global COVID-19 vaccination plan to prevent poorer nations from being left behind. Mr Guterres told a Security Council meeting on Wednesday that all those with the required power, scientific expertise and production and financial capacities should join a worldwide vaccine scheme. Although around 200 million doses of new coronavirus vaccines have been injected in more than 100 countries, the UN Secretary-General said that 10 nations had received 75% of the jabs and 130 countries have had no vaccinations at all. Without urgent action and cooperation, new variants could become more transmissible and more deadly, Mr Guterres said. In a related story, an update on the COVID-19 pandemic from the World Health Organization, WHO, has shown that although infections and deaths from the virus have fallen significantly, regions, including Europe, are still in the grip of the virus as variants continue to spread. According to WHO, infections globally fell by 16% last week and 10% fewer people died. In some European countries, this relative reduction is likely due to a strong combination of public health and social measures. But the UN agency cautioned that there are still high or increasing infection rates among older age groups and high death rates in most of Europe. Examining the three main COVID-19 mutations that have been associated with faster virus transmission, the WHO said that the UK variant is present in 94 countries across all regions, the South African variant has been found in 46 countries and the Brazilian Japanese variant is in 21. The difficult task of overcoming the new Ebola virus outbreak in Eastern Democratic Republic of the Congo, or DRC, has been complicated further by the ongoing atrocities of armed groups. The warning from the World Health Organization, WHO, and UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency, comes amid the mass displacement of millions who fled years of violence. According to UNHCR, in 2020, more than 2,000 civilians were killed in three eastern provinces of DR Congo, including 590 people in North Kivu, site of the latest deadly Ebola outbreak, which by Tuesday had claimed two lives. Here's Dr. Margaret Harris from the UN Health Agency now. Insecurity adds a much a higher level of complexity and certainly makes it much more difficult to do the work that's already difficult because you're in a geographically difficult location as well. According to the UN Refugee Agency, more than 88,000 displaced people live in 22 sites that it supports, along with partners. Spokesperson Babar Balok said that civilians had been caught up in clashes between rival armed groups. The non-state actors also launch attacks because they suspect community collaboration with the Congolese security forces, but also just to disrupt civilians' lives, instill fear and create havoc. Mr. Balak explained. Ngozi Okonjo-Iweala from Nigeria has been named as the new head of the World Trade Organization. An historic announcement as Okonjo-Iweala is the body's first woman leader and the first African to get the job. Okonjo-Iweala, who is an economist by training and a former Minister of Finance of the Government of Nigeria, starts her term on the 1st of March. Her reported objectives at the WTO include reaching an agreement on fishing quotas and reforming the deadlocked dispute settlement body appeal system. Upon her appointment, she also was quoted as saying that the first thing she wants to do is help overcome the health and economic ravages of the pandemic. 
the headlines there, and you're listening to UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva. And now to an interview with UN-appointed independent rights expert Fionnula Nialwin, who's just published a new report on the awful predicament of thousands of mainly women and children stuck in camps for families of ISIL extremists in Syria's northeast. She says because the countries where they came from aren't doing enough to bring them home. She calls it a list of shame, as we'll hear now. So the scale of the challenge we're facing in northeast Syria is that we have over 64,000 people mostly women and children who are being held in camps in northeast Syria, in Al-Hal and Raj camps primarily. It's been heartbreaking, hasn't it, listening to the grandmothers of those who are still detained in these camps. What are they telling you? So my mandate has had a lot of engagement with families, including grandmothers. Grandmothers who are literally watching their grandchildren and their daughters starve on cell phones. I've sat with these grandmothers and watched these images. It's profoundly heartbreaking because more than anything else, they are completely powerless. Their governments are refusing to intervene. And if those grandmothers were to send even packages of food or clothing or even any money to their daughters or their grandchildren to take them out of the extremity of the situation they are in, they would be prosecuted for assisting or giving material support to terrorism in multiple countries. 57 unnamed countries, according to your last press release. Could you be a bit more specific about where these countries are, or is it all regions of the world? It's across the globe. Afghanistan, Albania, Canada, China, Denmark, Egypt, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Spain, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Tajikistan, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, the United States, and Yemen. But it is notable that there's a really significant number of nationals from Western states, countries who have both the means and the capacity to bring their nationals home and are refusing to do so. Do you think there's an appetite to bring these people home, though? So I think you have to create the conditions conducive to bring them home. I've been in countries where they have been brought home. It requires the language of compassion. It requires the language of calling children children. And what's most challenging here is that a number of states, the states who call themselves human rights activists, the states who say they have human rights foreign policies, the states who say that they are feminist in their foreign policies are not prepared to bring their women and children home. Remind me how many foreign nationals are still in these camps. It's several thousand, isn't it? We're talking about just over 9,000 individuals. And in many cases in the countries we're talking about, we're talking about a handful of individuals. So some countries will have less than 20 nationals. So there are some countries, I take the example of Russia, or Kazakhstan, who've had hundreds of their nationals in these camps. And to be fair to these countries, they've made extraordinary and actually quite heroic efforts to bring back their nationals. We see countries with very small numbers actually being unwilling to even entertain the discussion. So it's the countries with the greatest capacity who are the most delinquent on this issue. And you said something else that was interesting. You mentioned that some of the non-state armed groups or the non-state armed groups in northeastern Syria are keen for 
these third country nationals to go home. So one thing we are really clear of is that the non-state actor, the de facto authority running these camps, the Syrian Democratic Forces, is anxious and willing and wants to return these third country nationals home. They are both a security and a humanitarian challenge for the non-state actor. The non-state actor has made clear that it will work and cooperate with governments. And I personally have seen that cooperation firsthand, including access to the camps, including the kind of preparations that would be required, DNA testing, identifying the necessary families and making the arrangements, whether with humanitarians or other states to enable them to depart. So there's no there's no issue here that these individuals can't be cooperatively repatriated. That is clear. What is also equally clear is the unwillingness of states to do it. So as the Special Rapporteur on this issue, in fact, to give you your full title, Special Rapporteur on the Promotion and Protection of Human Rights While Countering Terrorism, your work involves reporting back to the Human Rights Council, and you will be talking to them at the next session, I believe. What is it that you're going to tell them, and what is it that you are hoping that they will do? So in the next Human Rights Council session as Special Rapporteur, I will be reporting on this issue, and I'm going to make a number of key points to states. The first is that this is a collective action problem. These are 57 states, many of whom have not been publicly acknowledged as having their nationals in the camp. So now we cannot pretend that we don't know who has nationals in the camp. We know exactly and precisely. The second point I will be making is that this is not a list any state wants to be on. This is a list of shame. This is a list that says that you have significant numbers of your women and children living in squalid conditions that meet the definition of torture under international law, and you are not doing enough to get them home. Fionnelani Alwyn there, thanks to her for taking the time before the Human Rights Council session, which begins this coming Monday, the 22nd of February. And don't forget that you can follow the Council, which is the UN's preeminent rights forum for member states, live on webtv.un.org. You can also hear the longer version of my interview with Fionnula on UN News forward slash audio hub. You're listening to UN Catch-Up, Dateline Geneva, with me, Daniel Johnson. Let me turn now to our regular guests, Solange Berhategui-Cortez and Alfa Diallo from the Information Service at UN Geneva. Hello to you both. Hi, hola. Hello, Dan. Bonjour, Solange. <laughs> Solange, let's start with you, if we may. What's your take on what we just heard about this really desperate situation for so many thousands of people in Syria's camps, many of whom say they want to come home? Thank you, Daniel. We can't say we don't know. 57 governments have over 64,000 nationals living in extreme poverty and violence in one of the largest camps of refugees in northern Syria. 80% of them are women and children. 57 states who say that they are feminists in their foreign policy, but they are not prepared to bring their women and children home. As the special rapporteur Fionula Ni Aloin said, we can't say we don't know, but we keep looking aside. What does this tell us? It tells us that it is not enough to call yourself feminist. It reminds us the importance of including gender perspective in the fight against terrorism. And gender perspectives doesn't mean women. It is something related to gender roles and it implies women and men. 
what is the role of men in families, society, and how men are recruited to engage in this violence? A girl is kidnapped and taken to a camp. The girl is raped in the camp. A child is born from her womb. The child grows up in the camp. What future awaits him? We can't say we don't know. Thank you, Solange. We do know and we have known this for years. So that is something that will be brought up again in the council. And Alpha, what are your thoughts on what Fiona Loni Elwin just said? Hello, Dan. By listening to this interview, I remember a few words. It is not that there is a significant number of nationals from Western states, countries who have the means and the capacity to bring their nationals home and refusing to do so, she said. And the list of 57 countries include UK, China, France, Russia, and the United States. The UN expert found that some states were making heroic effort not to be in this club. For example, Canada or Finland has repatriated some nationals. But she really underscores countries like Kazakhstan, Russia, or Kosovo, who have made efforts to return those nationals who wish to be returned to their countries of origin. Thank you, Alpha. And on this list of shame, this so-called list of shame that the special rapporteur highlighted, are there any African countries? There are nine African countries on this list. Algeria, Egypt, Libya... Morocco, Senegal, Somalia, South Africa, Sudan, and Tunisia. And for Senegal, for example, not a single word, not a single line the day after the publication of this report on the 20 daily newspaper in Senegal. Then the common denominator of these 57 countries in all regions of the world, these are states that are reluctant to repatriate their national because most are family members of former Islamic State militants. To try to change their position, nearly 2,000 human rights experts have sent a letter to 57 states urging them to bring their nationals home. Thank you, Alpha, for that update. This is a developing story and, as I say, it will be discussed at the Human Rights Council session starting in Geneva on Monday with the high-level segment, lots of foreign leaders and senior ministers. It runs for a month until the 23rd of March 2021. And as I say, you can follow it live on webtv.un.org. So that's it for this week's UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva, but we will be back next week. Thank you to guests Solange Behateke-Kotas and Alpha Diallo for your time and commentaries, and indeed to Justine Bryce, who's checking that everything's in the can as usual. Thank you to you listeners as well. If you've enjoyed the show, please tell your friends about it. We're on a mission to reach as many of you as we possibly can. So until next time, bye-bye. Ciao, ciao Solange. Ciao.